Christ. God recorded the genealogy. You can have confidence in the Bible. It's real. It's true. So question one, who knows the future? That's God. Question two, how do I succeed in these unpredictable times? Through confidence in God and His Word. Read His Word, Old Testament and New Testament. And finally, the third question is, where do I start? How do I get started? Well, let's listen to, to Joshua. Remember, Joshua's already been there where you and I are. Remember now, this is the biography of Joshua. He died at 110 years of age, and nobody would have ever bet that he would have lived that long. First of all, he traveled for 40 years in the wilderness with, with the people. Moses was leading the way. He was the captain. They had struggle after struggle after struggle. And then they reached the promised land. And the river Jordan was there. They had to get across it. Now Moses is not going to be allowed into the promised land by God for his own reasons. And Joshua was the one to take them across. Now he was a veteran man. He had suffered. He had seen what human nature is like. He had to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait for 40 years just to get to the promised land. And then he had to get across that Jordan River, which was the sign of overcoming the last obstacle to get out of Egypt and get into God's world. Just like you, you've got to get Egypt out of your life. You've got to get past the Jordan River and all of its allurements, trying to use currents to pull you back into your old way of life. You've got to get, to get across that, that river and to get into the promised land where God wants you to be. And that's where this whole drama now takes place. The drama where Joshua, the Bible tells us, went down into a little valley. He called all the people together, according to Joshua 14. Uh, 24, excuse me. He called them all together to a little place called Shechem. His ancestor Abraham had been at Shechem in a highly, highly spiritual place that changed his life and the life of it for his future as well. And at Shechem, there were two mountains, Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. And on one side, half the people, hundreds of thousands of people now, in the outdoor amphitheater. One half was on Mount Ebal, the other half on Mount Gerizim. Can you picture this? All these people just talking and talking and talking, and Joshua, one man, one life, one God, one purpose, one power, the power of one. He stood up. He began to speak. And he said those fateful words that we read just a moment ago. If serving the Lord, he said, and his voice rang out through the valley, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. 
Once again, Joshua was not, was not saying that those other gods were real. They were idols. He was simply saying, you can go worship your idols if you want to. But as for me, I'm going to worship the one and living God, Jehovah God. Jehovah is the personal name of God. That's the reason Jehovah is salvation is so personal. By the way, the name Joseph translated into Greek is the word Jesus. Jesus. Joshua and Jesus mean the same thing. Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. He's the Son of God. And when he made that statement, he made it to the households. Now hear me. He made the statement to the households because in that audience were men and women and their children. They were singles. They were seniors. They were young people. There were all kinds of people in that crowd. But he was talking to household, whether it was a single household or a married household or a family household. He focused on the households. Thousands and thousands and thousands of them. So I want to conclude today by inviting you to make certain you know Jesus Christ for salvation. But I want to speak to you men for a few minutes. Ladies, you can listen in. I want to speak to you about the household you lead. It's such a needed thing in America for households of faith to be serving the Lord. And when Joshua stood up and made that declaration, his declaration of faith, his putting down his feet of faith brought great benefits to his household and to his nation as well. So what are some of the benefits of a man, a male, like Joshua, leading the household that you live in and that men are in today? The first benefit is that in Joshua and his family, we see how God created male and female. There are only two sexes, male and female, Adam and Eve, and God brought them together to form a household, a family. And Joshua stood up. Now one man has rightfully said that a male, a man, is uniquely superior to a woman. That is, in being a man. And a woman is uniquely superior to a man. That is, in being a woman. Man superior to a woman in being a man. A woman superior to a man in being a woman. That's how God made it. And when he stood up to say this, he was declaring his male role. And neither the man or the woman is inferior to one another. They're both equal in God's eyes, but they have different roles. And this is how God created the system in the world to repopulate the world, bring guidance to the world. It's God's system of training up human beings in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The next thing Joshua did was he started building his family in light of eternity. It wasn't any of this just thinking about next week or next month or next year. He was saying, let's build our family on the values of eternity. That's what counts. Build our family around fellowship with God. Another benefit of having a male leader in the family, in the household, is male affection. 
Children need female and male affection. Children need male affection. The way men give affection, which is different than the way women give it. That's needed by your children. They need female affection and male affection. They need male words of affection and encouragement as well. On top of that, every household needs male discipline. There's something about a man, his carriage, his voice, his build, his attitude, that just being there brings a spirit of discipline into that household. And he brings that with the blessing of God for that family. You have heard this statistic many times, and I don't have the exact figure. I don't really need to say it to you, the figure that is, because we've all heard it so many times that the majority of the prison populations in America are made up of men and women who had no male figure or leadership in the home. They just did whatever. And that's how it ended up many times. And there are millions more, not in jail, but on the streets and in the businesses and in the communities who have no discipline because they had no male leadership for discipline or guidance. A man needs to give guidance to his sons and daughters. Words of guidance. Because they're going to face tests and trials and temptations. They're going to need to be told how to be successful in life. They need to hear a man's voice. Even if you haven't succeeded completely and totally. Who has? But you need to get them ready for the struggle, for the battle, for the reality of what happens in a young woman's life or a young man's life. And on top of that, a man in his household is to demonstrate love, male love, masculine love for his wife. His children need to see him hug his wife, talk to his wife, have fun with his wife, laugh with his wife, do things with his wife, enjoy her, be with her, do things with her. You know why? That one act gives your children security and peace of mind that my parents love each other. They care about each other. They want to be together. They're not going to be constantly worried about divorce. Are we going to end up divorced like all the other kids around me? A man has the power to do this, a source of security. And a man is like a guard. He's on duty all the time, guarding against drugs, crime, the wrong kind of friends, the wrong kind of influence on those devices all around. Now remember, the woman is in this too, but the male's leadership is very important. One other thing about a man. A man must have what's called transparency. That means that the man, since he's not perfect, since he hasn't done everything right in his life, since he's fouled up big time, probably a few times in his life, he needs to be transparent and be able to say, listen, son, listen, daughter, I have to tell you that I've done wrong. I've messed up, but praise God, he's forgiven me. And when we mess up, sometimes we need to ask them for to forgive us for the words that we say that aren't right, the attitudes and actions we carry out before them. And we start becoming an example of a man or woman of humility, which means strength. You're strong. 
because you can be transparent. You can talk to your sons and daughters. And then a man brings future planning. There's one thing about a man. A man usually is looking forward. He's living his life here, but he's looking forward. What, what can I do next? How can I improve our family? How can I improve my life? How can I go forward? And to help your children even in their financial planning. I know of something really good that a man right here in this audience did with his son. He took him to work with him. He was agreed that he would go to work with him. And the young son went to work with him and the father paid him a good wage, but he made an agreement with him. He said, you come to work with me. I'm going to expect you to work and I'm going to pay you. And with your permission, I'll only pay you a partial of your salary. I'll take the rest and I'll save it for a month or two. And then at the end of that period, I'll give you all the money I've saved for you and you will see how money accrues. You'll have your money every week to spend from your work, but you've got to work. Man, I thought that was a fantastic thing to do. That was a great thing to do, to teach the lessons of financial responsibility and the rewards of work. That's being a good dad. That's being someone who helps your children. And then what about encouragement? Coming back to those words. I can think back to years ago, just a word or two from my dad to me about encouragement would carry me for weeks. I love to hear him talk to me about my life and how to grow and how to learn and how to be the best I could be. They were few and far between, but I'll tell you, they lasted a long time, a long time. So gentlemen, when that man Joshua stood up and addressed all those men and all those households, he was saying, stand up, make a choice. I'm making a choice today as for me. In my household, I will serve the Lord. And you know what happened? His one example, one man, his one example, caused the people to be stirred. He caused it to be stirred. And they made a decision that they would do it too. Now I have to say, like all human decisions, they grew weak as time went by. And then they had to start over. But that's life, isn't it? Joshua was faithful. When he stood there in the valley of decision, he said, you cannot be neutral. You've got to choose. You've got to make a choice. That's what God honors. That's what God blesses. I'm going to make, ask you to make a decision today to choose. If you're listening to me right now and you've never chosen Christ, then you're not in Christ yet. You've got to choose by faith and say, Lord, I choose Christ. I'm no longer going to be neutral just thinking about Him or reading about Him or hearing about Him. I'm going to choose Him for me to come into my life. And I'm going to pray a prayer with you right now to allow that to happen. A prayer that I prayed over 50 years ago. And Christ is still faithful to me every moment of my life. I know it works. Joshua knew it worked. And it will work for you too. This is for men or women or teens or kids, this prayer. I'd like to pray with you right now. If you want to pray and make certain about your salvation right now today, then do it. Even if you're a believer, this prayer will make sense to you and you can affirm it. Here it is. 
the believer's prayer. No neutrality, but making a choice. Dear Father God, I choose today to follow Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. Thank you that he died on the cross to forgive my sins, my weaknesses, my problems, my foul-ups. I accept that forgiveness through his blood, and I accept your grace. Thank you for forgiving me. Cleanse me from head to toe. Help me to be a new person. And Lord, for the rest of my life, help me to learn to walk the steps of faith and to be blessed and to bless others in my home, in my household. And Lord, since we are in your household, the church, help us each to be a strong believer. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen and amen. And may God bless the teaching of his word this morning. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Christ is not only our Savior, but he's also our friend. And in a moment, not right this moment, but in a moment, Bob's going to come and lead us in one of those great favorite songs.